So what do you say? I mean, can you believe where we are on the calendar and the date and the date? I mean, look, can you believe that today it's not just the last Sabbath of the year. This is the last day of 2022. Like it or not, tonight, tomorrow's a brand new day. January 1st. I mean, but what a privilege that we have those online and all of us in person, that we could spend it in worship today. No better place to be. What do you say? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited about the teaching for today, so I want to invite us to bow our heads as we pray and jump in. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, what an honor and privilege is ours to spend the very last day of 2022 in worship. So to that end, just Thank you for drawing close to every single person that's joined here together with your spirit. Thank you for touching every single person that's watching online, listening on the radio as well. Unite us through your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So have you ever noticed that the New Year's is a very natural time to make a resolution? Look, by show of hands, come on, by show of hands, how many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution before? Come on, put your hands up. Okay, that's most of us. For those online, same question. If you've ever made a New Year's resolution before, let us know in the comments. All right, now I'm going to test what you all have just confessed to. You ready? I'm going to test you. All right, we're going to move to the screen here, and I'm going to give you a little survey of New Year's resolutions. According to Statista.com, these were some of the top resolutions of 2022. So here is what we're going to do. I want to invite you to pull out your mobile phones, and I'm going to do it with you as well. So pull out your mobile phones. If you're watching at home, you're on a computer, you can participate with us as well. And Debbie, could you pass me my mobile phone there, please? I forgot to bring it up. Thank you. So here's what we do. Everybody have a phone? You have a phone with you? Of course you do. Pull it out. Definitely the right time to do it. I'm going to walk you through it right here, right now. So pull up the web browser of your choice, and you're going to go to Poll EV. Let me give you the URL. Poll EV. There we go. I thought we'd have it up top there so you all could see it, but we do not. So pollev.com. Did you catch that? pollev.com, P-O-L-L-E-V, so pollev.com slash AUPolls460. Did you catch that? I'm going to repeat it a few times, don't worry. AUPolls460. Polls All right, so pollev, P-O-L-L, pollev.com slash AU polls 460. Did you catch that? AU polls 460. And go there. You're going to have some options. And you're already beginning to vote. So there you go. You're beginning to figure it out. I'm going to go ahead and vote with you. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to vote for. All right. Let's see. Boom. I just picked one. Okay. We're going to keep this going for about just about 30 more seconds as we capture and catalog all of your New Year's resolutions. Wow, we do have a clear favorite so far. 
the vast majority of you are thinking about exercising more, so that's good. And perhaps these two are related, though. I might venture to guess maybe you want to exercise more in order to lose weight. Okay, let's give you about 10 more seconds so you can pull that up. Those watching online, you have a lower third. You can follow along there. So 10, 9, 8. The ball's about to drop. 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And let's just kind of pause it there. Behold your New Year's resolutions. According to our faith community. Okay, so most of you are thinking about exercising. Second place is you want to lose weight. And, you know, interestingly, in third place is eat healthier. So that's kind of cool. So have you ever noticed, though, that New Year's resolutions often get a bad rap? Have you noticed that? Because... For most people, by the time Valentine's Day comes around, most people have long since jettisoned them. By the time that January 16 or January 17 comes around, most people have just given up on their New Year's resolutions. But here's the question. Can we blame you? Can we blame them for trying? I mean, after all, that's just something, right, about being at the last day of the year that kind of forces us and prompts us to reflect on how the year has gone. Isn't that the truth? We we think about how the last year has gone and we begin to think about the potential and the possibilities for the next year. There's just something about the new year that causes us to do that. But here's the question. How should we be starting the new year? Now look, what if I told you That God actually ordained how we are to start the new year. What if I told you that the Bible actually talks about what we should be up to in the first days of the new year? Look, it's fine to have a personal New Year's resolution. That's okay. I'm not saying they're bad. But I want to walk with you today about what the Bible says about the right way to start the new year. What do you say? Shall we do it? All right. I want to invite you to join me in Leviticus chapter 23. I know, it seems like an odd book to go to for the right way to start the new year. But join me in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 23. And the Bible says, I'll read in your hearing, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing trumpets. A holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Okay, so there's a lot going on here in this text, so let's see if we can try to unpack it just a little bit. So first of all, I want you to notice that the Bible references trumpets being blown. Now, in case you didn't know, trumpets being blown in the Bible is actually a pretty rare thing. They were only blown on a few different occasions. Number one, Trumpets were blown as a way to muster people for war. So when you heard the trumpet signal, you knew that it was time to get it on. You're getting ready for war, right? Number two, it was also blown as a signal to tell the Israelites when it was time to move camp, right? When it's time to move the tabernacle, move to a different location, a trumpet would be blown. But friends, this is not what we see here in this text. We don't see a call to war. We don't see an invitation to move to a different location. So the question is, 
why in the world was a trumpet being blown on this particular day? What was so important that the, this very rare trumpet blast should be blown? Well, what does the Bible say? I mean, the Bible says, notice, that this trumpet is being blown on the first day of the seventh month. Now, to us, that doesn't sound particularly significant or interesting or worthy of, you know, special trumpet blast. But in actuality, that was their beginning of their civil year. That was the equivalent of their first day, their New Year's Day for them. And it was commemorated with trumpet blast. Okay, so here's the question. What is the right way to start the new year? I want to share with you two principles, and here's the first one. You've got it on the screen. The new year is a time to return to God and remember him. Okay, again, Leviticus chapter 23. We're going to go a little bit deeper. The Bible says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing trumpets. So kind of follow that away in your mind. A holy convocation. Now, I want you to notice that this is not referring to the weekly seventh-day Sabbath, as found in the Ten Commandments. But God was saying that whatever day the New Year's happens to fall on, you're to treat that day as a Sabbath rest. You are to have a holy convocation on that particular day. But the question is, why? For what purpose? God says that that day, when the trumpet blasts are blown on the first day of the week, that day is to be a memorial. Now, let me ask you a question. What is a memorial? So this past March... For spring break, my family and I went over to Chicago, spent a couple days exploring the city that is right on the other side of the lake for us, and we happened upon this particular memorial. And you probably can't see what it says around the bottom, but it says Alexander Hamilton. Quirky, fascinating, interesting figure in American history, a polymath as well. We talked about Benjamin Franklin a few months ago. Here's another guy that was interesting like Benjamin Franklin. So we happen upon this memorial of Benjamin Franklin, and when you see this, what does it cause you to do? It causes you, and I heard somebody say it a little while ago, remember. In fact, the root word of memorial is memory. So a memorial is something that kind of arrests your attention, that causes you to look up, and it causes you to remember something. So imagine this with me. Imagine that you are there, that you are one of the Israelites. You hear the shrill staccato of this trumpet sound, and everything stops. Your attention is arrested. People begin worshiping and offering food offerings to the Lord. A holy hush settles upon the congregation and people turn their hearts to God on the first day of the year as they remember and memorialize him. We're talking about the right way to start the new year, the first principle from the Bible, what the people of God did on the very first day of the year. The new year is a time to return to God and remember him. They would pause 
and memorialize him and lift him up. They would think about how the last year had gone and no matter what had happened in that year, they would now turn to him once again and remember him and memorialize him. But here's the second principle. The new year is a time to return to God through prayer and fasting. Again, Leviticus chapter 23, now in verse 26. Notice what the Bible says. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Also, the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. And it almost feels like special, perhaps scary music should be played whenever that word is mentioned because it sounds so serious, doesn't it? It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Verse 28. And you shall do no work on that same day for it is the day of atonement. To make atonement for you before the Lord your God. Okay, so pop quiz. Why were trumpets blown on the first day of the year? Why is it that they were to remember and refocus their attention on God? It's actually because of what was going to happen on the 10th day. It was a warning. On that first day is what would begin, you know, as, as Jews call it, the 10 days of awe. It's 10 days in preparation for the ultimate day, the day of atonement. And in case you didn't know, the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, day of Kippur is cover. The day in which there, there's covering that's made, atonement is made, the day in which forgiveness is made. This is, in fact, the most sacred day, the most climactic day in the Hebrew calendar. And even still today for modern Jews, on the Day of Atonement, everything stops on that day. Businesses close. People are in the home in a posture of repentance and turning towards God. So look, we don't have time to get into all the details of what would happen on the Day of Atonement, but just kind of picture it with me. I mean, there's the high priest who in his normal everyday regalia would wear the vestments of the high priest. And you've probably seen pictures or, you know, illustrations of what the high priest vestments would look like. I mean, it looked pretty special, wouldn't you agree? I mean, it was regal, almost king-like. He had a crown. He had diamonds and diadems on him. He had the Urim and the Thurim. He, and the Thummim. He had gold on him. That was just his, his everyday wear, signifying his rank as the high priest. But on the Day of Atonement, in which the high priest was, was to go into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, No, there's no competition. There's no fronting in God's presence. The high priest was to take off his seemingly royal regalia, set it aside. Because on the day in which you're going into the king's court, the most holy place, there's only one king, there's no competition. The high priest would put on his, kind of the, the simple robe, linen tunic, a holy, ro- a holy robe or tunic. That's all, plain. And that's how he would go into the most holy place. Now, what we have to know is that he would take part in what's called the cleansing of the sanctuary in the Day of Atonement. And that's not like, you know, when you're organizing your kitchen and cleaning your kitchen. It's, it's a little bit different because, you see, what would happen is during the year, people's sins would be forgiven. 
They would go to the tabernacle. They would go to the sanctuary. They would confess their sins. And they would be free and clear, as it were. Their sins would be forgiven. Thank God. Hallelujah. That's good news. They could walk away from there. Their hearts were clean. They would be forgiven of their sins. But now, a symbolic record of their sins would remain in the sanctuary via the blood that was sprinkled there. So on this Day of Atonement, in the cleansing of the sanctuary ceremony, the high priest would go there and he would cleanse the sanctuary. That record would be done away with on that particular day. But here's what I really want you to notice though, friends. I want you to notice what the responsibility was of the people of God on that particular day. Do you notice what they were supposed to be doing? What does the Bible say? The Bible says that they were supposed to be afflicting their souls. I mean, does that sound serious or what? They were to afflict their souls. Well, what does that mean? I mean, to afflict means to humble or bow down. And I actually want to share with you a few verses in the Bible in which that same word for afflict is actually translated. So we're going to go to Ezra chapter 8 verse 21. Notice what the Bible says. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Let's hold it there for a moment. Let's go back to Ezra please. So what I want you to notice, notice what was taking place. By the way, the word for humble is the word that's translated for afflict. So when you see the word humble, that's the same word that you're to afflict your souls. So here they are. Here is, they're afflicting their souls. They're humbling their souls. And that was often associated with fasting and repentance. Do you see that? That's what it means to afflict your souls. Okay, let's go to the next one. Psalm chapter 35, verse 13, David the psalmist, he says, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting. I afflicted my soul with fasting. He was in a state of mourning and repentance. He was in sackcloth. Are you seeing this, friends? So to afflict your soul means that you humble yourself. You're in a state of repentance. You are in a spirit of prayer. You're in a spirit of fasting. Okay, one more. From the book of Daniel, chapter 10, verse 12. It says, Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. This is the angel Gabriel speaking to Daniel now. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. So let's back up to the slide right before it. Let's back up just one more slide, guys. Okay, right there. So again, in this example with Daniel, notice what it's saying. He says, do not be afraid since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself. Again, it's that same word for afflict. So are you noticing a pattern here in the Bible? So what does it mean to afflict your soul? I mean, it's kind of a combination of all of these things. It's a kind of posture of the heart. To afflict your soul means that I'm bowing down. I'm humbling myself as much as possible. I'm partaking of prayer and repentance. And even in a lot of cases, I am fasting. 
That's what's happening on the day of atonement. So you're wondering about the right way to start the new year? Yeah, it's, it's a warm, fuzzy way to start the new year, isn't it? I mean, again, the first principle, the new year is a time to return to God and remember him, to memorialize him, to lift him up. It's a time to turn from the year that has passed and to focus our attention completely on him. And number two, the new year is a time to return to God through afflicting my soul. That means through, through prayer and fasting, through repentance. Now, I want you to notice something in case you missed it. That nothing within these first 10 days, or as the Jews call them, the 10 days of awe, nothing within these first 10 days of their civil new year had anything to do with personal resolutions. Do you notice that? So it had nothing to do with trying to lose some weight. It had nothing to do with finally getting on a budget. It had nothing to do with finally writing that book that you've been thinking about. It had nothing to do with starting that business that you're wanting to launch. It had nothing to do with anything personal at all in any which way. Instead, hear me now. Instead, it had absolutely everything to do with returning to God. Repentance towards God. Reorienting my life towards God. And re-ratifying my relationship with God and God re-ratifying his relationship with me. In other words, in the scripture there, on the Day of Atonement, God said explicitly, if there is anybody that is not afflicting their souls on this day, they shall be cut off from the congregation. So yes, it was a mutual re-ratifying of relationship where I'm, I'm saying, I'm taking part. I know the high priest is in the most holy place officiating in this day of atonement and the cleansing of the sanctuary. And all of us as a congregation, all of our families that are gathered, we are in a spirit of afflicting our souls and we're praying. We're saying, God, may he be successful and God, may all of our sins be, may the record be completely cleansed. That's what it meant. That's what would happen on the 10th day of the 7th month, on the Day of Atonement. It's kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Now, look, is it wrong to have New Year's, personal New Year's resolutions? No, I don't think so. It's fine. I mean, what you voted on, that's okay. Do it. That's okay. But listen, listen. These principles come first. Nothing else should be even remotely close. This comes first. And I know what you're thinking. I know, I know, I know you're saying, but Rodley, well, wait a second. I mean, I, I thought those were Old Testament feasts. We don't keep the Old Testament feasts, right? Well, yes, you're right. There's no longer a tabernacle there. We're no longer offering sacrifices. You're right. We're not doing that. But listen now. The spirit of that feast we absolutely should be keeping. I believe it's no accident that God said, look, on the first day of the new year, y'all have been tired. Y'all have experienced some stuff during the year. You've mourned. You've lost people. You've had hurt happen to you. You've fallen off the path. Some things have happened to your family and friends. 
And so he says, look, on the first day of the year, I want all of y'all, every single one of you, the entire congregation, the trumpet sounds, and everybody focuses once again on God. And I don't know about you, but I can't argue with Scripture. I agree. I don't think there is a better possible way for us as well to start the new year than for us to do the same thing. For me to say, okay, God, I am going to return once again wholly, completely to you in this new year. I once again, God, am going to repent of things from the past. I'm going to come to you in a spirit of prayer and, yea, even fasting on the new year. So I want to make an invitation to you now through our next steps. You know, every single week, we encourage everyone to take some kind of next step in their walk with God. It doesn't matter if you're a first-time guest, regular tender, or a long-time member. I believe there's some kind of next step that you could be making today, right now. So I want to walk you through a few of these options. To pull this up, I want to invite you to text the word START2023. So pull out your mobile phones. For those watching online, you should have a link for that as well. So text the word START2023 to the number that we often use. I'm sure you have it memorized or saved in your phone. If you don't, if this is your first time here, that's okay. The number is 269-281-2345. Text that. It's going to pull up a form, and you're going to see this, and you can respond to this. So the first next step is this. I want to recommit my life to God in this new year. How many say amen to that? Yeah, in other words, could it be, I mean, maybe for some of you, we're just going to stick on the first one for now, guys. Could it be that you have stayed on the path completely 24-7, 365 all this year? If that's you, praise God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right? If, if you have no need to recommit because you've been stalwart in your walk with God as, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm not. Hey, that's a good thing. But I wonder if there's somebody here today. I wonder if there's somebody watching right now who has perhaps strayed from the path. Maybe you've been focused on some other stuff in this year. Maybe you've, because you've been focused on the business or the book or losing weight or whatever it might be, you've lost your connection with God. And if that's you today, if that's you, I want to invite you to recommit your life to God right here, right now, as we start this new year. Now, I know what often happens for those in our local audience. Most of us, uh, I've noticed, believe you me, you, th- you think uh, you're hiding, you're not. Um, most of you don't often, you know, do the texting thing. So I'm going to do a hand invitation. So how many today, if you want to say, yep, God, I want to recommit my life to God this year, just raise your hands wherever you are. If, if you want to say yes to that today, if you wanna, for those in the balcony, if you want to recommit your life to God in this new year, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's go to the next one. Number two, 
I want to commit, I want to commit to family worships this year. In Leviticus chapter 23, it says that this should be done in all of your dwellings. In other words, it gives this picture of families huddled together in this spirit. It's not just, of course, individually you are to afflict your souls, but it gives this picture of families together. And so I want to make a special invitation to you for that. And I want to speak for just a moment to the leaders of the families. All right? So I'm speaking right now to, to, if you're the leader in your family, I'm speaking to you. Maybe you've been gathering your family for worship. And if you have been, praise God. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe that's never been a part of your regular practice. You just, you know, for whatever reason, you've just never synced into that. You've just never really started doing that. Or maybe you, you have done it in the past, but for whatever reason, you stopped doing it. Here's a simple invitation. I want to invite you to commit right here, right now, at the beginning of the year, to recommit to family worships this year. And I want to be praying for you, by the way. If you respond to any of these, I'm going to get your name, and I want to be praying for you, that, that God would just bless you and your, your family as you start the new year together. Lastly, I'd like a plan to read the Bible in a year. And the new year, biblically, Leviticus chapter 23, was all about refocusing on God. None of my personal resolutions, but it had everything to do with refocusing on him. And there's no better way to refocus your life on God than to commit to reading the Bible through in a year. And we have some resources that we want to send you. If you click that next step on your phone or on the website, we're going to send you some information, some different options for some Bible reading plans that you can use on your phone or your iPad, or you can simply just get the ideas and follow the plan along. But we want, to set, we want to send you that so you can sink into that. Lastly, here we are. And does everybody know what today also is for us as a local congregation? Today is communion. It's a day in which we take part in the ordinance of humility. It's a day in which we take part in the emblems that represent the, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And I want to pray for you in just a moment. But before I do, I just want to give you some directions for what's going to take place in just a moment. So as soon as I finish praying, song is going to begin to play. And that's going to be your cue. We're going to separate and we're going to take part in the ordinance of humility. This is a right that Jesus gave us. He gave us an example of this so that we could take part in this. And let me just tell you some of the different locations that we have so that you can take part in this as well. All right? So in the commons, we have place for couples and families. The deacons are ready for you. They were here last night preparing all this for you. God bless every single one of you. So a place for couples, families in the commons. To the left to my left in the nursery, if perhaps you have a little bit of trouble managing stairs, going up and down them, it's no problem. On this same level, just head over here and you can be served right there. You can take part in the, the foot washing, the ordinance of humility. Also, for ladies and for gentlemen, you can go straight down, take the stairs down. And there in the children's Sabbath school classes are different classrooms set up for you. 
So we're going to take part in that. And by the way, if, if for whatever reason you would rather stay here, and you can do that as well. There's going to be some hymns that are going to be led. You can sing them. But I want to invite you to just remain in a spirit of prayer for those that, that stay here. What do you think? Sound like a plan? Well, friends, I want to pray with you now, and then we're going to dismiss for that. And then after the foot washing, of course, after you take part in that, come right back because we're going to take part in communion. So let's just bow our heads wherever we are. Father in heaven, what an honor is ours just to be gathered, to be gathered in person, to be gathered online on the very last day of the year. Also, what an honor is ours to be able to, to, to participate in this foot washing, to participate in communion. So I just pray that you would bless every single person taking part today. I also pray that you would draw close and bless all those that made some kind of decision today as well. You know what decision they made. So now give them the, the boldness, Father, so that they can follow along with that decision. So the time is yours, Father, as we follow the examples that you've given us in Scripture. To that end, thank you for blessing what we do next in the name of Jesus. Amen.